Chapter 4 Prisoners Their secrets are taken from them The men in yellow armour saw Elric and Cimmeril as the two approached the smallest of the eastern gates. They have found us at last, smiled Eric, Elric through the rain, but somewhat belatedly, eh, Cimmeril? Cimmeril, still embattled with her sense of doom, merely nodded and tried to smile in reply. Elric took this as an expression of disappointment, nothing more, and called to his guards, Ho, men! Soon we shall all be dry again. But the captain of the guards spoke up urgently, crying, My lord emperor is needed at Monshanjik Tower, where spies are held. Spies? Aye, my lord. The man's face was pale. Water cascaded from his helm and his darkened his thin cloak. His horse was hard to control and kept sidestepping through pools of water which had gathered wherever the road was in disrepair. Caught in the maze this morning, southern barbarians by their chequered dress, we are holding them until the Emperor himself can question them. Ulrich waved his hand. Well then lead on, Captain. Let's see the brave fools who dare Malnibane's sea maze. The Tower of Montchangeek had been named for the wizard architect who had designed the sea maze millennia before. The maze was the only means of reaching the great harbour of Imria, and its secrets had been carefully guarded, for it was their greatest protection against sudden attack. The maze was complicated, and pilots had to be specially trained to steer ships through it. Before the maze had been built, the harbour had been a kind of inland lagoon, fed by the sea which swept in through a system of natural caverns and the towering cliff which rose between lagoon and ocean. There were five separate routes through the sea maze and any individual pilot knew but one. In the outer wall of the cliff there were five entrances. Here young kingdom ships waited until a pilot came aboard. Then one of the gates to open one of the entrances would be lifted. All aboard the ship would be blindfolded and sent below, save for the oarmaster and the steersman, who would also be masked in heavy steel helms so they could see nothing, do nothing, but obey the complicated instructions of the pilot. And if a young kingdom ship should fail to obey any of those instructions and should crush itself against the rock walls, well, Malnibane did not mourn for it, and any survivors from the crew would be taken as slaves. All who sought to trade with the dreaming city understood the risks, but scores of merchants came every month to dare the dangers of the maze and trade their own poor goods for the splendid riches of Malnibane. The tower of Monchangeek stood overlooking the harbour and the massive mole which jutted out into the middle of the lagoon. It was a sea-green tower and was squat compared with most of those in Imria, though still a beautiful and tapering construction, with wide windows so that the whole of the harbour could be seen from it. From Monshanji Tower most of the business of the harbour was done, and in its lower cellars were kept any prisoners who had broken any of the myriad rules governing the functioning of the harbour. Leaving Cimmeril to return to the palace with a guard, Elric entered the tower, 
riding through the great archway at the base, scattering not a few merchants who were waiting for permission to begin their bartering, for the whole of the ground floor was full of sailors, merchants, and Melnimonean officials engaged in the business of trade. Though it was not here that the actual wares were displayed. The great echoing babble of a thousand voices engaged in a thousand separate aspects of bargaining slowly stilled as Elric and his guard rode arrogantly through to another dark arch at the far end of the hall. This arch opened into a ramp which sloped and curved down into the bowels of the tower. Down this ramp clattered the horsemen, passing slaves, servants and officials who stepped hastily aside, bowing low as they recognised the emperor. Great brands illuminated the tunnel, guttering and smoking and casting distorted shadows onto the smooth obsidian walls. A chill was in the air now, and a dampness, for water washed about the outer walls below the keys of Umbria. And still the emperor rode on, and still the ramps struck lower through the glassy rock. And then a wave of heat rose to meet them, and shifting light could be seen ahead, and they passed into a chamber that was full of smoke and the scent of fear. From the low ceiling hung chains, and from eight of the chains, swinging by their feet, hung four people. Their clothes had been torn from them, but their bodies were clothed in blood from tiny wounds, precise but severe, made by the artist who stood scalpel in hand, surveying his handiwork. The artist was tall and very thin, almost like a skeleton in his stained white garments. His lips were thin, his eyes were slits, his fingers were thin, his hair was thin, and the scalpel he held was thin too almost invisible save when it flashed in the light from the fire which erupted from a pit on the far side of the cavern. The artist was named Dr. Jest, and the art he practised was a performing art rather than a creative one, though he could argue otherwise with some conviction, the art of drawing secrets from those who kept them. Dr. Jest was the chief interrogator of Malnibane, he turned sinuously as Elric entered, the scalpel held between her thin thumb and thin forefinger of his right hand. He stood poised and expectant, almost like a dancer, and then bowed from the waist. My sweet emperor. His voice was thin. It rushed from his thin throat as it bent on escape and one was inclined to wonder if one had heard the words at all, so quickly had they come and gone. Doctor, are these the Southlanders caught this morning? Indeed they are, my lord, another sinuous bow, for your pleasure. Coldly Elric inspected the prisoners. He felt no sympathy for them. They were spies, their actions had led them to this pass. They had known what would happen to them if caught. But one of them was a boy and another a woman, it appeared, though they writhed so in their chains it was quite difficult to tell at first. It seemed a shame. Then the woman snapped what remained of her teeth at him and hissed, Demon! And Elric stepped back, saying, Have they informed you of what they were doing in our maze, Doctor? 
and they still tantalise me with hints. They have a fine sense of drama. I appreciate that. They are here, I would say, to map a route through the maze, which a force of raiders might then follow. But they have so far withheld the details. And that is the game. We all understand how it must be played. And when will they tell you, Dr. Jest? Oh, very soon, my lord. It would be best to know if we are to expect attackers. The sooner we know, the less time we shall lose dealing with the attack when it comes. Do you not agree, Doctor? I do, my lord. Oh, very well. Alric was irritated by this break in his day. It had spoiled the pleasure of his ride. It had brought him face to face with his duties too quickly. Dr. Jest returned to his charges and reached out with his free hand, expertly seized the genitals of one of the male prisoners. The scalpel flashed. There was a groan. Dr. Jess tossed something onto the fire. Alric sat in the chair prepared for him. He was bored rather than disgusted by the rituals attendant upon the gathering of information and the discordant screams, the clash of the chains, the thin whisperings of Dr. Jest. It all served to ruin the feeling of well-being he had retained even as he reached the chamber. But it was one of his kingly duties to attend such rituals, and attend this one he must until the information was presented to him, and he could congratulate his chief interrogator and issue orders as to the means of dealing with any attack. And even when that was over, he must confer with admirals and with generals, probably through the rest of the night, choosing between arguments, deciding on the deposition of men and chips. With a poorly disguised yawn, he leaned back and watched as Dr. Jest ran fingers and scalpel, tongue, tongs and pincers over the bodies. He was soon thinking of other matters, philosophical problems which he had still failed to resolve. It was not that Alric was inhumane, as that it was that he was still a Malnabonean. He had been used to such sights since childhood. He could not have saved the prisoners, even if he had desired, without going against every tradition of the Dragon Isle, and in this case it was a simple matter of a threat being met by the best methods available. He had become used to shutting off those feelings which conflicted with his duties as Emperor. If there had been any point in freeing the four, who danced now at Dr. Jest's pleasure, he would have freed them, but there was no point, and the four would have been astonished if they were to receive any other treatment than this. Where moral decisions were concerned, Alric was, by and large, practical. He would make his decision in the context of what action he could take. In this case, he would take no action. Such a reaction had become second nature to him. His desire was not to reform Malnabene, but to reform himself. Not to initiate action, but to know the best way of responding to the actions of others. Here the decision was an easy one to make. A spy was an aggressor. One defended oneself against aggressors in the best possible way. The methods employed by Dr. Jest were the best methods. My lord. Absently, Elric looked up. We have the information now, my lord. Dr. Jest's thin voice whispered across the chamber. Two sets of chains were now empty, and slaves were gathering things up from the floor and flinging them onto the fire. The two remaining shapeless lumps reminded Elric of meat carefully prepared by a chef. One of the lumps quivered a little, but the other was still. Dr. Jest slid his instruments into a thin case he carried in a pouch at his belt. His white garments were almost completely covered in stains.
Uh, it seems there have been other spies before these, Dr. Jess told his master. These came merely to confirm the route. If they do not return in time, the barbarians will still sail. But surely they will know that we expect them, Alric said. Probably not, my lord. Rumours have been spread among the young kingdom's merchants and sailors that four spies were seen in the maze and were speared, slain while trying to escape. I see, Alric frowned. Then our best plan will be to lay a trap for the raiders. Aye, my lord. And you know the route they have chosen. Aye, my lord. Alric turned to one of his guards. Have messages sent to all our generals and admirals. What's the hour? The hour of sunset has just passed, my liege. Well, tell them to assemble before the ruby throne. Two hours past sunset. Wearily, Alwick rose. Yeah, I've done well as usual, Dr. Jest. The thin artist bowed low, seeming to fold himself in two. A thin and somewhat unctuous sigh was his reply.